May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. I planted, Apollo swatered, but God gave the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose, and each will receive wages according to the labor of each. For we are God's servants working together. You are God's field, God's building. Several months ago, my husband Armando, who's right there, emailed me a link to a 2018 op-ed in the Washington Post. When I clicked to the link, it took me to an article entitled, I was almost a school shooter. In the article, a man named Aaron Stark tells his story, describing the abuse and violence he suffered at home and the utter alienation he felt from the world around him. At 17 years old, I felt like a walking void, he writes. I felt like all I had left was destruction and damage. Like all of me had been boiled away and all that was left was the burnt residue and ash waiting to burn the rest of the world with me. He continued. One day he got a gun and made a plan, if nothing else to show the world that he existed. But something else happened the day Aaron got the gun. A classmate, Mike, invited Aaron to sleep over at his house and he offered to let Aaron wash his clothes and take a shower. Aaron writes that it was quite literally this simple offer that stopped him from shooting up Denver North High School. I was shown love and kindness at a time when I felt that there was no love left for me in the world, that I had no future whatsoever, that I was barely human, he writes. But even after this intervention and Mike's continued friendship, Aaron's problems didn't disappear. Due to the chaos of his home life, he ended up living on the streets. He gradually slipped into deeper and deeper depression. On his birthday, he had nowhere to sleep but a cold field, and he made a plan to end it. Once again, something else happened the day Aaron planned to kill himself. He hadn't told anyone about his plan, but a classmate, Amber, had noticed Aaron and sensed that something was wrong. She decided to throw him a surprise birthday party complete with a blueberry peach pie, a shower, and another place to sleep. Again, an act of kindness saved my life, Aaron writes. I would not have survived that night if it hadn't happened. Since I read this article, I have not been able to stop thinking about it. I read the news and I see what seems like shooting after shooting, violent act after violent act, Devastation after tragedy, after disaster. Just look at Syria and Turkey right now. And the scale of the world's suffering seems too vast to compass. I wonder about the possibility of any kind of course correction, either for us or for nature. But then I hear a story like this, a story of people who are alive today, quite literally because of a simple invitation. And it gets me thinking about how the small choices that we make to follow God's laws are seeds planted, the fruit of which we only rarely see. Because Aaron chose to tell his story, we're given the chance to glimpse the full weight of a small thing done with great love. 
It is stories like this that remind me to trust God, even when the scale of the pain of humankind seems staggering. Mike planted, Amber watered, and God gave the growth. Now, at first, it might seem strange to draw a comparison from Aaron Stark's story to our passage from 1 Corinthians. Paul's talking about quarreling and division within the Corinthian church, not simple acts of kindness, right? But bear with me here, because I think that on a very deep level, this passage is, among many other things, about Mike, Amber, and Aaron, especially when considered in light of our other lectionary passages from today. Let's explore why. Several of our passages today speak to the crossroads we face on a daily basis, the thousands of particular decisions we make every single day, and the actions that follow from these choices. In one of the Old Testament readings for today from Deuteronomy, it's the one that's not in your bulletin, I had to choose between two, an elderly Moses is giving his parting words to the Israelites. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. Moses says, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God by loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways and observing his commandments, decrees, and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous. I call heaven and earth to witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying him and holding fast to him. I mentioned this passage, even though it's not in your bulletin, because it's echoed in the Sirach passage that was read earlier. And also because while both passages exhort us to obey, exhort us to obey God's commandments, they emphasize different aspects of this choice, both of which are crucial. In Deuteronomy, to choose life is to obey God's commandments, is to love God. Or put differently, when we obey God's commandments, we are choosing life. Our passage from Sirach gets at the mystery inherent in all this, the unintended consequences of our actions, which we almost never see. We obey in the dark, not knowing what will happen as a result of our obedience. In Sirach, we read, if you choose, you can keep the commandments. And to act faithfully is a matter of your choice. Before each person are life and death, and whatever you choose will be given. For great is the wisdom of the Lord. He is mighty in power and sees everything. His eyes are on those who fear him, and he knows every human action. Whether they realized it or not, Mike and Amber chose to obey God's commandments, to love their neighbor radically. And in so doing, they chose life. And long before Aaron Stark shared his story publicly, God knew every human action in that story. There is no way that Mike and Amber could have known the impact of their choices. And if Aaron had chosen not to speak out, they would never have known. But God did. What I want to emphasize here is that we have no way of knowing the kinds of ripple effects that our obedience to God's commandments has in the world. In all likelihood, we will leave the world at the end of each of our lives without any understanding of the complete consequences of even a single one of our actions. In that way, we are workers 
laboring for a harvest that we will never see. It is with all this in mind that I want to return to our passage from 1 Corinthians. Paul writes, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. In this letter, Paul is writing explicitly about how the Corinthian church came to receive the message of the gospel, the news of Christ crucified and risen from the dead, who, Paul writes, became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. But he continues, the full scale of the news of salvation is a secret and hidden wisdom of God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit. It is here in trying to describe the mystery of God living in us and the righteousness of God playing out in our daily lives that Paul turns to metaphor of breastfeeding babies, of tenderly cared for seedlings, of buildings under construction. All three of these metaphors suggest a kind of becoming, something in the process of formation. And yet all of them hint at possibility, a sense of the unknown, a future yet unseen. I love all three of these metaphors, but as a gardener, thanks to the tutelage of Gabe LePage, I am especially drawn to the ecological metaphor. Every March or so, I obey the instructions for how to start seedlings. I place a tray of seedlings under a grow light by my dining room window. And every year, what happens feels somehow impossible to describe. I plant the seeds, I spritz them with water, but I do not make them grow. I can foster the right conditions, but they grow towards the light. It is the light that opens them up, that unfolds them out of their dark seed beds. And however we might be able to describe what is happening in scientific terms, no language can truly capture the sense of excess there. The sense that something beautiful is being given and that the gift to me is that I get to participate in beauty being born. Part of the reason I enjoy gardening so much is that it feels like an unmitigated good. There's nothing to qualify, nothing to explain or justify. It's simply good. It's simply living things taking in the light and slowly growing into themselves, filling the outline of maturity that was always there for them. And I think this ecological metaphor can help us get closer to the mystery of God's spirit working in us and through us, both growing us towards the light and reaching into the lives of others. We are the seedlings in this metaphor, but we are also the gardeners. In each of us, someone planted the seed of truth. In the Corinthian church, it was Paul, but for each of us, it was someone. Someone told each of us about the wonder-working power of God. Someone loved us into loving, as one of my heroes, Mr. Rogers, says. Someone shone light onto us when we were in our seat beds. Mike invited Aaron to sleep over at his house and Amber baked a pie. The invitation to choose life by obeying God's commandments is an invitation to plant these kinds of seeds. The invitation to choose life by obeying God's commandments is an invitation to participate in beauty being born that we might never see. The point is not that we see it. The point is that it will be. In each of us, someone watered. Someone told each of us about eternity, showed us by example what it looked like to love our neighbor. Someone made us feel like we mattered. Someone shared with each of us how Christ's death and resurrection reconciled us to God. 
In the Corinthian church, it was Apollos. We are invited to water others in this way. We are invited into this kind of involvement in life being given back, into this kind of saving grace. We might not see what's happening as a result of our involvement, but we are invited to be part of the catalyst. I've woven Aaron's story throughout this exploration of scripture because I think it gives us a helpful doorway into the passages, a kind of groundedness and a kind of con concreteness. So that once we're inside the text, we can look around and see more clearly the possibilities the metaphor can offer us for envisioning life with God. Reading Aaron's story through these scriptures shows us that we're missing the point entirely if we focus on theological battlefields and hermeneutic divisions about what it means to obey. Instead, the point is how simple obedience to God's law, the simple activities of planting and watering with love, can literally redeem a life from the grave, and how loving kindness can triumph over death. I want to invite us to ask ourselves this question. If these quiet acts of love could save Aaron's life and the lives of countless people at Denver North High School, how much more powerful can the full embodied truth of the gospel in our lives, the full working out of Jesus's radical death-defeating love, be? In our routine, seemingly ordinary days, we are invited over and over to walk in obedience to God, which is to say, to love God, to choose life. We are being given the chance to work in tandem with the light, to be part of the beauty being born into the world, to believe that our obedience has the effect of participation in the light, even if the full weight of our share in this work is invisible to us. The truth is we cannot often see what our obedience affects. What matters is that we persist in it. And this obedience to God this participation in light, ultimately, is to live into the truth of who we truly are, to fill out the maturity, the lines that were always there for us, like the seedlings. It is to embody and make known in the world the excess of God's love to each of us, like the seedlings and gardeners we are all at once. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave growth. Amen. Amen.